philosophers in space, 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 space. The avalanche has already started. It is too late for the pebbles to vote. Why? Why was I programmed to feel pain? A true victory is to make your enemies see they were wrong to oppose you in the first place. I think a lot about meteors, the purity of them. Boom, the end, start again. Hello and welcome to Philosophers in Space. This is the Listener Q's 16. I'm Thomas, that's Aaron. How are you doing, Aaron? Sweet 16. I'm doing great. Let's uh, do some names. Man, the name thing is getting worse. I got to tell you, I don't think it came across as much in the last episode, but the COVID is putting the zap on my brain, like going up river. Okay, good. It's I'm, real bad. I'm glad you said that, because when you said the name thing, you meant your inability to read names y- yes, is what you meant. Yes, Not like yes. people's names are getting worse. Okay, no, 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 no. My, my capacity <laughs> to look at a series of letters and derive from them the accurate <laughs> description of someone's name is going Maybe poorly. the problem is your brain is looking for like a metaphor or, you know, or like a philosophical theme in everything. Like, you you can't even like yeah, a name like Josh. You're like, what's the what's yeah. the theme behind Josh? Is there yeah in like, a deeply meaningless universe? <laughs> I am f- trying to find meaning in in the mere random <laughs> arrangement that we call names. Yeah, it's bad. That, that might be it. That's my yeah. that's the most on brand explanation that I can. Think yeah, of. how you doing? How's uh how's your naming abilities going? Uh, you know, <laughs> same same same. Yeah, fine. I'm excited because I I love these Q and A episodes. Last one I was a lot too. of fun. This one yeah. I'm sure will be a lot of fun as well. It's great stuff. So why don't you uh, read some names? <laughs> attempt to arrange some things together into sounds that are better than grunts. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Yeah, here we go. Uh, thanks to adopt a homeless pet and oppose declawing and ear docking. Uh, Katie Armstrong, uh, R.I.P. Cobalt, the best pit bull ever. He stopped suffering August 3rd, 2020. Uh, Mark Smith, Alexander Thomas, Mike, superior, uh, may be too far, but I'd like a show comparing civil law versus common law systems. A very British atheist, Philippe Andres uh, Towers Abogado, David Gould, Day One DLC, Dustin Lee Klaus, Ian Ryan, Ryan Merwin, Kim Bojkowski, Slartabarfast. You weren't kidding. Okay. Thank you to the International Cheese Eater, Monica Garza, the Lawless One, Chris G, A.A. Ron Rab, in, out, it, Zed is my favorite substitute teacher. What? Josh Murray, Timothy Redacted, Jake Beckerman, Felicia and Twistle, Dustin Gunderson, La Machine Infernale, uh, Joshua D, Sam Johnson, Christopher Lee, and Peter Marchetti. Okay, they bring us this question. Give to modestneeds.org, give to modestneeds.org asks, is moral luck a zero-sum game? Specifically, if I'm lucky to be born into my circumstances, 
do I necessarily owe something to others less fortunate? If I do owe them, why does the host in the violinist thought experiment not owe the violinist temporary use of their body? After all, the host has the privilege of having a self-sufficient body. Hope that is coherent. Okay. Well, mm. that, that took a turn. Yeah. It's a good question. And I like the use of the Thompson violinist experiment here because generally speaking, folks of our ilk tend to think that uh, as an as an abortion analogy, we tend to think that the person doesn't have a moral obligation to stay there and help the violinist until they survive. That they could do so, but it would be sort of super erogatory. Um, now, mm-hmm. so is moral luck a zero-sum game? I think this is a good question. I think not necessarily, but often is my answer to that kind of question, right? That like... Uh, well, zero-sum game is the right word or phrase for that, is it? Well, so, I mean, I guess I, what I would say is that, like, it is technically true in some, in a lot of cases, that, like, one person's luck is another person. No one person's good luck is another person's bad luck, because there are just a lot of zero-sum yeah. situations where, like, um, only one of two people can win out in a particular situation in terms of the benefit involved. Um, but there are also, I think, lots of situations where we can all have good moral luck right it can all we can have a synergistic healthy society where my gain morally is your gain luck wise as well and so so then in the question of what do we owe to other people um i think generally speaking we owe to other people an attempt to sort of reduce their their bad luck and promote their good luck as best we can up to a point as that conflicts with our own need for our own luck so you know if we you know, in the violinist experiment, right, the you can fiddle with the time frame. So, for example, you know, if the if it would take me 10 minutes to save the violinist's life, right, I have a strong moral obligation to sit there for 10 mm-hmm. minutes and save the violinist's life. If we're talking nine months and it might kill me, um, then it's a yeah. very different conversation, right? But, like, that's indicative of the idea that, like, all, like, what I would say is pro tanto, right? All other things being equal, right? You do have a moral obligation to improve people's luck who is worse off than you. That's sort of a basic kind of, you know, luck egalitarianism view that I'm sympathetic to, um, though there are some complexities with that particular perspective. Um, but, yeah, so I think there is a little bit of a, like, we are obligated to help everyone who is worse off than us up to a point and in ways, you know, depending on how we manage um, all the complexities of our situation. Yeah, sure. I, I <laughs> still don't really think the moral. No, I agree with all that. I, except I just don't think the, the zero sum game thing. Really, it's not like mm-hmm. for every person born with a horrible childhood cancer, then there's equally one person born with the opposite of that. Like that. Well, that no, but like for every person who's born with a two trillion dollar, you know, trust fund or, you know, million dollar trust fund or whatever. Right. There are hundreds of thousands of people who well, inherit. Yeah, little but to that's no also wealth. not how how it works. Like the mathematics of, you know, wealth um, inequality isn't it's not really zero sum in the sense that, like, y- you know, you can either have everybody the same or like an equal offsetting number of people who are off by exactly the same units that the other not, not people exactly, are, you know, it's, right, not, it's just not how it works. Speaking, like, you could redistribute the wealth in such a way. So, I mean, it's like, it's not like a perfect zero. No, there's, well, there's too much, there's an overall, <laughs> you know, like any of us, you know, in this society, most likely pretty much, or, you know, 90 plus percent of the people in the society, no matter where we are, would not trade our situation for somebody in the year zero 
who anywhere on that distribution. You know, it's not sure. as though. Uh, so, like, I, what I'm saying is there's there's a lot more to it than just like an offsetting. It, so, I don't think it's a zero sum game. Actually, I think that you could hypothetically live in a you know a much better uh, world where everybody is a lot higher along you know some sort of moral luck scale, uh-huh. and you would still have inequality, but we just wouldn't care yes. as much. Like, yeah, absolutely. imagine if everybody made. $200,000 a year somehow, hypothetically, like so, you know, the robots, you know, that, that allow us to have this in, incredible productivity. We live in a amazing society where everybody gets to reap the benefit. Well, if somebody made like a million dollars a year, yeah, that would suck, but it wouldn't be like, this is a moral emergency. You know what I mean? Right. So well, like, wealth, there's more going has on to be, than that. Wealth can be unequal up to a point, right? This is the basic Rawlsian principle of, yeah. of Max Minigan that like we can have inequality as long as it benefits everyone and it doesn't have the level of extremity that leads to the collapse of society, right? Those are our And what I'm getting range. at also is that yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I guess maybe I'm disagreeing with the premise of the question a little bit in that I don't really think it's the zero sumness that I already don't really think is there that says anything about your obligation in the, um, mm, mm-hmm. you know, in the violinist thought experiment. Sure. I think, I think your answer makes way more sense. I think it's okay. more about the ratio of how the, the amount of burden it would be. And it's not as though there's a fine mathematical formula cause there never is. But yeah, if, if pregnancy was like a four minute process and, and, you know, and like the violinist or whatever, you know, that thought experiment took you four minutes of like slight discomfort. I think it would be kind of monstrous to let somebody die in exchange for not going four minutes of like slight discomfort. Whereas Mm -hmm. as you laid it out, you know, it's a lot more than that. Um, And also like (laughs) if it were zero sum in this way, I mean, if it were hypothetically true that like. 50% 50% of all humans were violinists and 50% of all humans were hosts. And there was no changing that fact. Like mm-hmm. that's just how it, the world worked, no matter what. Um, I don't know. Maybe that would be a different picture. Like, the, <laughs> I, I, you know, but that, that would be more what I would think the zero sum mm-hmm. gameness would be. Um, okay. So that's, uh, yeah, that's like, my thoughts. That could just be a little I largely bit agree with yeah. you. Right. And um, yeah. by the way, the mathematical formula for ethics is the same as the age formula for figuring out whether you can date yeah. somebody. It's what is it like divide <laughs> by two and plus five or something like that. So like that's how you do all of the math yeah. for utility ethics. Um, OK, gotcha. should we read, more, read more names. Yeah. Divide. <laughs> that's a very like uncharacteristic joke, but I liked it. Thank you. Um, I like to get outside yeah. my comfort zone sometimes. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think the names are just throwing you off so much that you're doing anything to just kind of. <laughs> No, go ahead. Read some names. <laughs> All right, here's some names. Thanks to Tricicular Manslaughter, Hossdorf, Matthew Speck, uh, Eric Moreno, Victor Clean, Air in Robin O. It's can't read his own name. <laughs> I know what you're doing there, but I'm going to read it phonetically anyway. Uh, so there. Perfect. Aaron Griffin, Matt Morrison, Rob Cole, Sam Donau. Petrosaurus Hex, Clara Ladder, Rich Davies, Vincent, Randy Jordan. And I just wanted to say I'm really happy that you got the end whistle situation. I feel like whenever we do yeah. these, we no, all No, you like, were the one who, who naturally did it right. So I know. I started I know. adopting your yeah. I just think that it's funny. Because she told us it's more like <laughs> apparently it's more like a like a like an action, like to yeah. entwistle something entwistle, rather than yes. like ent whistle, which is no. how I was doing. It. I don't know. Rather than an object that an ent would blow if they wanted to summon other ents. Exa- that's yes. exactly. Yeah. I think of it in the in the Lord of the Rings <laughs> sense. 
<laughs> All right. Thank you to Whitney Treple, John I Spy, Marilyn Mitchell, uh, Gerardo Garcia, Wouter Vermeyen, Justin Brisley or Briley or something. Give to modestneeds.org. Give to modestneeds.org. Lindsay Osterman. Stop betraying the law, asshole. <laughs> Aaron Hypatia, Christopher Arguin, Lefty Conspirator, and Andrew Jackson. Oh, shit. We got Andrew ja- Now we're the ones funded by... Uh, we're all races. funded by Christian nationalists now. <laughs> oh, and you were so close right, on your gen- name lineup there, too. It's brutal. Yeah, we were really close. General contact unit problem child. Aaron has said he's not necessarily opposed to the idea of creating a libertarian socialist or anarcho-communist society but thinks we'd need the kind of post-scarcity manufacturing capacity and AI tech that they have in something like the culture to make it all work. My issue with that is I view it as a kind of chicken and the egg problem for achieving utopia. I think if we don't overthrow the current order before those kinds of technologies come into being, presuming they ever do, I think the current powers that be would conspire. Do we? Is this someone's manifesto that I'm reading right now? No, I, it's, it's totally all making sense <laughs> to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, with you. no, yeah. it is. It's just yeah. I'm like one quarter of the way through the yeah, question. No, you're doing great. So, like, here, I'll okay. take over. I got, I got, uh, the I got powers that be would conspire. Conspire to prevent us from being able to use them to create such a society. I mean, in the current capitalist order, companies destroy perfectly good food rather than sell it at a loss and charge for digital content that can effectively be copied endlessly at zero production cost. If replicators were invented tomorrow, okay. you don't think they'd force them to be uh, pay for use. That would ethically be appalling, but no matter how upset we got, we wouldn't be able to do anything about it because they'd have the super AI and weapons tech to crush any uprising in the cradle. That's what I mean to say. I think, sorry, that's what I mean when I say I think Aaron's view seems like chicken and egg problem, but we can't do with, uh, we can't do without capitalism. Jeez. Now I'm, now once I read long enough, I turn into Aaron. We can't do without capitalism without super advanced technology. No, that's just a weird sentence. Yeah. But I believe that if super advanced tech comes into existence, well, capitalism is still a thing the capitalists will use to stop it, stop us ever overthrowing capitalism. Yep. Do you think I'm being too pessimistic, Aaron? Whoa. Yeah. Hey, you put the whole thing in front of me. I'm going to read it. So next that's, time no, I'll have to summarize. Fine. That's fine. It was great. Yeah. And I totally agree. It's not too pessimistic. It's a huge chicken and egg problem. Like I generally yeah. do think that like the technology that could could be most functional for bootstrapping us out of our current economic um, problems are the same technologies that will, if they are controlled via, you know, patent laws or whatever, will end up amassing great amounts of wealth in a way that continues to exacerbate our current situation. So how do we how do we avoid that uh, is a really tricky question. Um, one suggestion would be, you know, the government, um, ma- you know, maintaining more of a socialistic kind of control and, and asserting control over certain kinds of technology that, um, you know, produce a fundamental universal good in some kind of way. So I think that would be the hope would be that like if you know if we created a technology so for example if we create like cold fusion tomorrow or something right like the hope would be that like the government would effectively seize control of that technology in a way that you know would make it readily accessible and beneficial to everybody 
Yeah, not uh, only slightly related. I actually, my political views are that meme that says there shouldn't be billionaires. Once you get to nine hundred ninety-nine million dollars mm-hmm. and whatever, then you should just get a dog park named after you or whatever it is, <laughs> and like be, become a like you won capitalism or whatever. <laughs> so that that's a start. Uh-huh. That's my actual views. Um, yeah, and I I think that like. First off, I'm also far more worried about climate change just killing us all than I am about like which particular utopia or like post scarcity world we'll be in. <laughs> well, killing killing a lot of um, us and forcing a lot of people to migrate to other places, thereby creating more conflict. But yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. on board. Yeah, but I like I'm I'm genuinely worried about it. Like seriously, eventually killing the entire like making most of the planet uninhabitable. I mean, sure. I guess once it gets bad enough, maybe theoretically somehow we'll do something or, you know, but like still it could, it could get to the point of like no return eventually. Um, And also, uh, yeah, I I was trying to think like if you look at trying to look at any examples we have to, to derive, you know, um, comparisons or whatever. I mean, the internet certainly did in some ways, you know, because it may, the internet made certain things like replicators or whatever, you know, like, uh, uh, newspapers or something like mm-hmm. that. The internet became like a replicator for newspapers essentially, because mm-hmm. pretty much anybody could go online and type something. And then it turned into a thing that could be read like a news, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to look at comparisons and mm-hmm. it does seem as though, you know, for that or for like video, you know, when it comes, anybody can upload anything into YouTube, et cetera. It, it does to a certain extent democratize it and make it so, and, and especially early on and like maybe up to a few years ago, it really did seem like, wow, entertainment is so widely available to everybody. And then it does seem like there was a, a, a backlash of the corporations taking back control over it because mm-hmm. now we all are subscribed to Disney Plus, our one source <laughs> of all entertainment for the rest of our lives. You know what I mean? Like it, yep. it's interesting. So yeah, I maybe the maybe I agree with the with that question. Like it, it is the kind of thing we have to solve politically I, first before any technology will solve it for us and continue to resolve. Um, the one that that really yeah. sticks out for me as a concern before we even get to like you know AI, like really advanced AI is like the very basic. Automiz- you know, automating of a variety of tasks that were previously had to be done by human beings in such a way where, you know, you get kind of an auto-fact situation, I feel like, where you have the capacity for a lot more supply, but because people aren't, you know, because you don't have a robust sort of working middle class, you have a very low amount of demand. Um, and so that, to me, is where there's got to be some sort of you know, adjustment to how we approach the wealth that is amassing as a result of that automation in places like Amazon um, and figure out how to redistribute it in such a way where it is economically valuable to everyone and not just Jeff Bezos. There you have it. I think uh, it's time for you to uh, read some more names. All right. And then overthrow the the capitalist regime. Uh, (laughs) Marius Kotbutrakowski, thank you. Um, Colette, Nicholas Maffiold, Cody, David the Patreon Saint of Podcasts, Kenneth Graves, Judge Janie, America's babyest legal expert, um, Patrick, Dr. James Devine, Esquire, Shep uh, Boston, Scott Milliken, 
Alonymous, <laughs> Carl Otterson, J.F., Ewan, Ian, Owen, Aaron, Aaron. <laughs> Teach Out Torres 2020, Justin, Tarn, Somerville, Fletcher, Stepdad to a Bird Fairy. Oh, that's a weird one. Dude, <laughs> John, John McGimsey, Don't Let the Shitheads Get You Down, Terry Schmidt, Josh, Abby, and Lorelai, Ricky Burnett, Seven Lira, Ronald Pooley, Alexander Schmalls, Stephen Nelson, and Target. No, tar- the corporation Target is a patron. <laughs> oh, they're, they're more progressive uh, all right, amongst this one, the box stores. That makes sense. <laughs> Stepdad to a fairy. This one, fairy, by the way, is a great uh, person who's ha- heavily involved in the Facebook group, Philosophers in Space, that all of the people we're thanking should be heavily involved in. Nice. Shout that out. Yeah. Also, I was going to say, when you say box store, like Target, like, mm-hmm. pe- you know. Maybe they just just for the amount of boxes on the show, like they, they just felt they had to. It's, it's box on box on box at Target. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, we have to patronize this uh, this establishment. All right, uh, ontology on dancer on prancer and vixen asked. <laughs> Since you guys have done a few comic book superhero movies, could you talk a bit about the ethics of vigilantism? Hyper violent satirical caricatures like the Punisher seem somewhat low hanging fruit to me. Though maybe not to everyone with this lo- with his logo superimposed on a Blue Lives Matter decal, yeah. But I'd be curious to hear you discuss some general examples beyond that. We've seen ample evidence lately that lawful doesn't necessarily equal ethical. So how do should we? So how do slash should we separate the ethical duties of the individual from those conferred on the state? Say for the sake of argument, we take murder or or capital punishment off the table completely, is there still a legitimate ethical argument for or against different brands of vigilantism? Thanks. Yeah, I like the idea that if we get rid of, you know, capital punishment and all that kind of stuff, our vigilantes are like, I don't know, assessing fines or something. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you go catch someone, you're like, that's it. You know, it's the scene, big showdown, and then you just like give them a bill. Steal their wallet. I don't know, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's just burglary at that point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You could call that Robin Hood. What do you think about this being question? generous. Um, yeah. No, I, I love the shout out in particular there to the people who so thoroughly misunderstand Punisher as a concept that they would somehow combine it with Blue Lives Matter. Um, but yes, I so, so vigilantism. I, I think about this one a lot in the context of the difference, the, the options of sort of social contract rule of law society versus like the honor culture state of nature society um and i generally tend to and this is you know maybe the result of my privilege as someone who has benefited heavily from the social contract i tend to lean towards the social contract approach where we minimize the need or hopefully eliminate the need for vigilantism by having a successful social contract where the rule of law protects every everyone effectively um and so then the question becomes what about in situations where it's not doing that or in situations where that has broken down in some kind of way um you know if we're asking about like what do i think about vigilantism in the situation of honor cultures like situations where there is not an effective legal structure to protect people you know i think it's it's necessary in some situations and unavoidable and so it has a different ethical weight than attempting vigilantism in a society that is generally speaking functioning properly Um, so the harder question of course i think is like what do we do in a situation like ours where we have 
a social contract that is flawed, that is breaking down in various kinds of ways? Are there situations in which various levels of vigilantism are acceptable? Do we count, for example, you know, what's going on in parts of Portland as vigilantism? Um, if we do, then I think that like that kind of slightly more aggressive protesting can be ethical in some situations. Um, and I think there's a really interesting debate that the effectiveness of nonviolent protests like MLK is maximized when it's done against the backdrop of a genuine threat of vigilantism from, you know, militia organizations like Black Lives Matter. Or no, sorry, um, um, the Black Panthers, excuse me. Um, or, or, or the Black Block, Black Block in the case of Antifa. Yeah, I mean, also MLK, like that movement was also inviting white racist vigilantes to do violence onto them mm-hmm. to kind of display that too, mm-hmm. um, which is which is interesting. Yeah, I know. Like, I I don't really. I'm I'm just so not into all these kind of things. The the this kind of media, you know. But but at the same time, there's something very attractive to it. I I think that as humans, you know, we we are very um, interested in these stories of like mm-hmm. of these revenge stories. It's really compelling. Like revenge porn. Uh, you know, yeah, Kill sure. Bill or uh, yeah. Um, because we want, I think we so badly want to live in a world where, you know, injustice mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. consequences. Like we all, and we're all interested in reinforcing that on each other because the fact of the matter is, in my view, no one else, obviously there's no God or anything like no one else will do that. Like if you, if someone has the opportunity mm-hmm. to get away with doing something immoral and no one ever knows about it, they just can. And like, mm-hmm. I think we, I think we all are worried about that and we we tell these stories to each other to try to like scare each other into not doing that or to you know mm-hmm, um and it's mm-hmm. sort of a fiction that we all create with each other. You know, I I um I, do, I tend to look yeah. at a lot of look at a lot of Reddit these days and like that that'll be one of the <laughs> you know one of the top subreddits that comes up because I'll I'll just browse like the main stuff to to you know see the see the funniest memes or whatever but um one that comes <laughs> up a lot will be like justice served you know that's like the yeah the reddit that the subreddit and you know most of the time like the ones that do really well is like this person was a total you know like racist asshole or whatever and then someone just punched him you know Mm -hmm. it's like you know on one hand you're like well i don't know i don't i don't really like it's hard i don't want anything that encourages violence or cruelty even even to people who deserve it because yeah on the whole that's not the best thing like i and and i also and and also even if there are countless examples where you're like this person deserved that or whatever what if if you are someone who just like sits around living in that subreddit isn't that like kind of weird from a Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. your favorite uh moral uh theory kind of what what do you call that from from the virtue ethics theory yeah you know if you're just sitting there all day like what loving and enjoying these displays of violence even though you know it's justified violence this person was an asshole so it's like totally fine that they got what was coming to them but it still feels a little icky to me to be like okay this is something that you're enjoying and you know it doesn't it's 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 weird so 100 anyway yeah yeah, i 100 percent agree yeah like and especially but i also agree with your view of like uh, you know, and maybe to add something to it, I, I would look at from a society wide basis, I would look at vigilantism as a systematic thing. Like 
Mm-hmm. Either you, either the, like I would, I would blame individuals far less than I would the system. Like either you have a system where mm-hmm. this is going to happen because there are injustices that aren't getting addressed or not. You right. Know? Exactly. And like, yeah. And like, cause I could imagine, like I could imagine a level of, of injustice if something happened to me and there was, it was just so gross. I could imagine being like, well, you know, screw it. I'm taking matters into my own hands. I don't care. It's such a gross injustice that happened to me or my family, whatever it is. And I don't feel like I got what I needed. And so like, I'm so mad that I'm going to do something about it. And that would be a reflection on the system or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think you've made a lot of really important points, uh, especially like from an American perspective, we as a culture are really obsessed with ultra violent revenge porn in a way that is hugely problematic. And while I do think there could be situations in which vigilantism is justified, I think what we should view it as is much like the Tao says that it's like, it's a huge failing if you ever get to the point where you're having to do this thing. And like, we should, this is not something to glorify. It's something to sort of reject and try to avoid at all costs as a society. So I think that's that's all a really good point that we we are really because we have the hardwired sense of fairness. It's a big endorphin rush to watch fairness meted out towards people. Mm-hmm. But like I saw a video recently of somebody getting knocked out on on the London too because they were spouting off racism. Oh yeah, I, that's the one I was thinking yeah, of. I just yeah. saw that, and I just yeah. like at the same time of you know like I really just don't enjoy it, and I. I wish that that wasn't happening and I don't think that it produces a good result. And so I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on this one, I think. All right, let's read more names. Okay, here we go. Alexandra Tersky, uh, Math Makes Sense, Cone Man the Bongbarian, Richard, Ryan, If Precedence Has You Down, Make It Original with Pretext, uh, wait, wrong list. Those are the people who signed Kanye's petition. Abhijit uh, Borkar. Elias Armando Garcia Guevara. Uh, Thomas's shitlord assassin. Clifton <laughs> Stuckey. Corey Thompson. Joseph P.L. Bevan Flynn. And Flufftastic Torsten Peel of the Satanic Temple. <laughs> Thanks to Alex Borders, Rolf Knudsen, Zachary McCausland, Kazarl, Kazarl, Jonathan Smith, Cassie Halliday, Dennis Zakozi, Eric Andreas, Andrew Seidel's butt wears a mask and social distances to avoid ultra-virus exposure, Shane, Michael Eric, Wesley Glenn Brock, Sam Buck, and Travis Saul. All right. They bring the question from Abjit Borkar. Have you watched Person of Interest, and would you do an episode on their depiction of surveillance state and AI? Well, I am in the dark on this one. Sorry, I don't know anything about it. What do you got? <laughs> You're in the deep state. Uh, this, <laughs> Yes, I want to do this one. Um, it is on my list. I think the issue has been that there was an accessibility issue where it wasn't like readily available in any of the major platforms. Is this a shitty CBS show? It could be it What's could be a CBS all access all I quote unquote CBS. and by all access we mean nobody has access to it so it's not really great for us to do for content but yes I want to do a it. CBS show I can't ah, I hate CBS oh this one with the guy from Lost yeah I remember this okay, yeah I, and I love the guy from Lost and it's about a AI that I think they use in conjunction with a surveillance state so there's like lots of good stuff involved but again CBS is like the kiss of death for content so that's I think why we 
we've held off. Um, the same reason that we haven't covered lower decks yet either. I personally have a like just I hate CBS so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Picard, and that's the only CBS show I've watched mm-hmm. in the last mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, it's a huge problem. So the hope I think is eventually. So this is tricky, right? Because like CBS probably won't lease it to like netflix or something because they're trying to build up their cbs alban access you know by our personal oh, I, access i'm sure i could watch base. i probably still have the cbs from picard that i forgot to cancel actually oh. you know i think i eventually remember to cancel that see so, i totally yeah, canceled yeah. it after i watched picard so i don't i don't have oh, okay it. yeah um, but yeah, that's that's yeah. the answer to the question. We'd love to, uh, if it were not for the thing we were just talking about earlier about how copyright makes it very difficult for us to cover all well, you the can, content. We could probably buy a one-off episode on Amazon. I mean, the, the stuff I've had to spend money on as a result of this show and opening arguments a lot off of movies, like, mm-hmm. I mean, this would be not high on my list of things that were ridiculous that i spent money on oh no so we could do it yeah that, that's no it just problem. means that people I who mean, are listening like you... a lot of people who aren't listening probably don't have access to it and so that's a limited yeah, we could ex- explain yeah, okay it. so eventually yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll talk we'll talk first how many people had access to the ability or desire to read all of anathem that is not the point we had specific <laughs> top shelf patrons who demanded that specific thing and they uh, and we delivered talk about moral luck i was not gifted that ability or desire or time or anything Look, if somebody wants to really throw enough money at us to really get that person of interest going i will subscribe yeah. to cbs all access so that we can do the, the ai <laughs> lost guy well, show we're, we're running out of time so we should get to the last uh yep. well, actually we're already over time we'll get to the last question it. but thanks for that one uh sorry we're not doing that as of now uh, all right name time okay thanks to gretchen coach uh aaron has suffered enough just call me doug alex lombardi <laughs> russell uh lucas majikuski majikuski <laughs> i love that name that's so funny. i know <laughs> Stephen and then it's a bunch of names that I fail at. It's so good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Stephen Balta, uh, Balt, excuse, I can't even do it. Balticate. Balticate, thank you. Sandoval, uh, Trevor F., Jace Browning, Jim Grove, David in Kentucky, Jonathan Moyette, Sean Sullivan, 1917 pandemic, ending world wars since 1945. Paul Freeland and <laughs> Stephen and Cindy Dimick. You did it. You're done. You're, the sweat, I'm sure, is just pouring off of him. All right. Thank you to Tim Marsh. Malleus Vermintum knee Mr. Bible Pants. Okay. Sargon Smug having face. There is no free will, no self, just memories in a biological machine. Daniel Fox, Reverend Jesus H. Christ, Matthew R., Robert, Christian Jeffrey, Frederick Dumont, Ira Green, Austin Taylor, and is anyone surprised conservative creeps never met a wet ass pussy? (laughs) Is that something? Is that sort of like when the the Access Hollywood tape came out and now like Mm -hmm. it's fine to just say that on the news? To just say the word pussy? Like. Yeah, like, is that have we decided? Which is fine. Like, it should be. Honestly, I, I don't give a shit. You know, like, I don't especially. Yeah, I don't know if we should be bleeping it or kids. not. Is this is this explicit I, yeah. content? Have we have we just done an explicit <laughs> content? I think when the president of the United States has like is on tape saying, "I just grab him by the pussy," I think at that point, mm-hmm. who are we protecting and from what? Mm-hmm. You know, like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in the same like way, when Ben Shapiro. Rules. <laughs> 
Yeah. (laughs) All right. Final question. Anathem episodes are my favorite episodes. Dune episodes are close second. So I don't think we had the DVD menu thing happen, did we? No. Two episodes. We got a lot of close, but not so. What are the odds? Hey, someone calculate the odds on that. (laughs) I actually don't. Well, I guess you don't know the odds of like who's asking what questions. The the odds are, are astronomically weird. Yeah. Yeah. True. Impossible. All right. Anathem episodes are my favorite episodes. Dune episodes are close second. How likely do you think it is that we are on the brink of or in the midst of civilizational collapse? If you do think that this was a serious concern, how do we respond to it? Starting a commune out in the woods with like-minded folks seems more and more like a valid option every day. I know. People keep just dropping communes into these chats. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Weird. What is it? Weird ladies and lakes handing out communes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I, there's a part of me that has been thinking about this 2020 election. Like part of me is like, well, no, there are enough, you know, there's still plenty enough Republicans, especially higher up Republicans who care about still being able to have a country where, you know, like perversely as much as Republicans, in my opinion, have lost it, completely lost it with Trump or whatever, they do still have a job in a post-Trump mm-hmm. world. You know, like, they still get to be Republicans in a system. Yeah, yeah, they're invested in the system somewhat, sure. I guess is what I'm trying to say, to a certain extent. to Enough to where, if, like, say something extreme happened, where, like, there's so much just discord and just, like, you know, the the, the worst possible outcome of this election, which is, like, some foggy kind of narrow Trump victory or, by, you know... Just where mm-hmm. to the point where it's like the country splits in what it thinks happened kind of thing, mm-hmm. where I think that people would still be invested in maintaining the system. Now, maybe they would think their best option is still like we will make sure that we still decide Trump won, but we don't you know, we still want Democrats involved in the country. But like part of me, I, like in my pessimistic mind, I was like, God, could it get to the point where different states are like, you know, like California is like, sorry, our president is Biden. You know, and like Florida or some some bullshit, you know, Kentucky, you know, whatever. They're like, no, our president is Trump. Do we get to the point where it's like, no, we just split like we just I don't know what would happen. You know, it's so who knows? What are are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, it would have to be a really like close election, I feel like. So like, yeah, what I think is. But also that's not a civilizational collapse. So maybe that's not even a correct. Right. So I think broadly speaking, the answer is. I think, no, we are not close to a civilizational collapse for roughly the reasons you're putting forward that so many people, not just the Republicans, are heavily invested in the status quo. All of us are, broadly speaking, pretty – like, if you're getting to listen to this podcast, you are probably, for the most part – like invested in the situation not getting worse than it is. And we talked about this. Some, yeah, you're you know, more invested in this situation than you are in a like post-nuclear Holocaust world where we all have sticks and like, like you know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that this world is great, but it's still better than that. <laughs> right. And we've talked to us, you know, several times about like the, the real human cost of civilizational or radical, you know, change or collapse as a means to the end of like improving people's mm. quality of life. But just as a, like a, how close are we to like open civil war, for example, I think we're not, we're not very close because like most people are just not interested in picking up guns and like going to war against their neighbors right now. They're interested in making sure 
sure their their internet continues to work and stuff like that. So, <laughs> like, I, I do think we are very far away from that, with the exception of, like, some incredibly fluke situation where the election yeah. is so very close that it, like, ratchets up the insanity on all fronts to a very high level. Um, but I think that that's, I think that's generally speaking unlikely. And so I think... Overall, we are pretty not close to collapse. Now, what would the right answer be in collapse? I mean, I guess a commune, but like, you know, (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna do parable of the talents in the fall, and so that'll that maybe we'll throw some cold water on the commune solution. We can talk about that some because they have a commune in that story, and we'll see how that goes. Um, But like, maybe a commune is better than nothing. The issue with a commune is like, how do you get enough people? who are like are working like maybe post COVID, like everybody's working remotely anyway. So they could all just move to a commune. And so like, it's not a big deal, but like you need a lot of differing skill sets in order to have a really functioning commune and to get like a bunch of people who've been skilled up in the information economy into a situation like that and have it like not turn into like a Jamestown situation is, is not, not very likely. It seems like to me. Yeah, again, all of my answers are not about civilizational collapse <laughs> when I think about it. They're, it's about my answers are about the collapse of this country in a way, sure. you know, or the collapse of our democracy or whatever. But that's honestly is so far. And maybe it's just worth talking about for a sec. Like that's so far from a civilizational collapse. Mm-hmm. You know, it, what? So one thing that's it's kind of disturbing in a way, but like we could, you know, under a completely fascist regime, regime of, you know, Donald Trump's corpse still being president in 2032 or whatever it would be, you know, like we would still have a lot of civilization <laughs> in a weird way. Like, uh, you know, Russia still has a lot of civilization, you mm-hmm. know, like it's not even the, even even places where it's like a really shitty system or it's like full on fascism, you know, like Syria there's still a lot that's, you know, that that civil war is like god awful. And for so many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, it's terrible. Don't get me wrong. But like if you're short of that, you know, if you're if, if enough people are like we're fine with the fascism, mm-hmm. then like you still weirdly have a civilization. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like we all lose power and don't have banks and don't, you know, no Internet. Like you, it's weird that it's it's actually you can still have a lot of civilization under just horrible fascist regime. Don't get me I'm not, not yes. saying it's good. I'm just saying like my dire scenarios are more about the collapse of democracy and that may in the long run, I guess it could lead to civilizational collapse possibly, but I don't know that it would, you know, because a lot of people are, as you said, are so invested in like the day to day. They just want the day to day to be fine. And I also, you know, I think you could read civilizational collapse as meaning potentially the more mild, you know, collapse of rule of law or something like that. That isn't oh, like, okay. Yeah. Like, so I think it just depends well, on how strong collapse of the that. rule of law. <laughs> that's pretty bad. I don't yeah. think we're going to have collapse in the rule of law. I think we could have a, we already have very high profile violations of the rule of law. Mm-hmm. But like, if I go kill somebody, you know, if we get to the point, if we mean total collapses in there, you could just just murder on the streets all day and nobody does anything about it. Yeah, that's that's horrendous. I guess there's a lot of room for sliding deeper into <laughs> civilizational collapse is what I'm saying. There's a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Cheery question, though. <laughs> I have, how fun. Good right. to wrap this up. We'll have to uh, we'll have to end the uh, main show a uh, little bit late, but. 
the good news is after the break that we're apparently taking, um, <laughs> we've hit a patron goal. So we in have. the future, our main show will be, you know, around this long, actually. So we won't have to be rushing quite as much. That's uh, thanks, everybody. Yeah. Patrons for making that happen. Yeah, we're going to extend things a little bit and we'll be we'll be coming back from so we're going to take a break. We're going to re-release some classic episodes. I think will we release the the origin of the box discussion episode and maybe oh, one yeah. other one, I think, to catch people up who are maybe our new listeners uh, to some of our inside humor. And then we will come back with the uh, patron anticipated uh, Children of Time, which you have already mm. read and will have to reread because you've forgotten mm-hmm. all of it. But yep. It's going to be great. I've been put into a cryo sleep since I read it. And now I don't remember. There's spiders. You, yeah, no, you that book the was spiders, right? Really the, cool the spiders though. are important. I remember the spiders. Yeah, so it's going to be fine. I remember your sexual attraction to the spiders. We will talk oh, about my sexual attraction to the spider. That will be after dark conversation for sure. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks, patrons, for the questions. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, more great questions after dark. So, patreon.com slash zero G. Hop on there and uh, we'll see you has been a burst transmission of Philosophers in Space. All music written and performed by Thomas Smith. If you've enjoyed your infotainment upload, please locate the nearest podcast interface device and fill it with five-star ratings and glowing reviews. If you think Ground Control should spring for fun new goodies and content, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash zero G. You can find us on Twitter at Zero G Philosophy, where Aaron will instantly and compulsively respond. Or you can email us at philosophersinspace at gmail.com. Finally, if you're sad that it takes so long for our signals to reach Earth, you can always find Thomas over at Serious Inquiries Only and Opening Arguments, and Aaron over at Embrace the Void. Until next time, live long and philosopher. <laughs>